welcome to the latest episode of the Haptics Club podcast. I'm Ashley from Titan Haptics, and I'm joined by the trusty Haptics crew, Brian from Sense Club, Eric from Razor, and Manu from Unity. The Haptics Club is a team of people that have a passion for haptics, and our goal is to raise awareness of the amazing tech and people happening in this space, and of course, to foster discussion around this subject. You can check out our blog at thehapticsclub.com slash blog. And we've got a store, so you can have a t-shirt, a couple tank top action in the summertime. That's at thehapticsclub.com slash store. Today, we're doing an end of the season recap. Ooh, it's going to get spicy. I have a feeling it's going to get spicy. We'll cover our favorite episodes of the year, of course, but we'll talk about haptics tech throughout the year that stood out to us. There's so much to talk about. Before we jump in, um, you've got to check out thehapticsclub.com. Sign up for uh, our next episode, RSVP. And of course, in the next two weeks, that's when we'll have uh, typically our episodes. This time, it's the end of the season. So you got to wait till September. But oh, do we have spicy guests? We'll, we'll, drop, we'll drop some nuggets of who that's going to be. But of course, last but not least, I, we wouldn't be here without our sponsors, the Haptics Industry Forum. They help keep you know, beverages on our tables, you know, coffee in our cups, tea in our cups, and really the, the website running and, and all the fun stuff. We were able to do this show because of them. Check out the Haptics Industry Forum. Uh, they have basically it's Haptics Industry Association that enables people to streamline haptic standards and adoption. Um, and it's where everyone kind of comes together to, to rising tides so that we can all have epic haptic experiences and increase market awareness. So check them out. Thanks so much to them. But I'm this is too much. Let's let's jump right into the fun stuff. This is the end of the season, boys. Let's jump right in. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Ashley. Great intro as usual. Usually we have people jumping in and talking right now. It's just us. And uh, for this, uh, <laughs> for this uh, end of the season, um, we wanted to have a, a, like a touch free big topics. And the first one is we want to actually to share. We don't know. We didn't discuss about each other. The three most uh, you know, uh, surprising haptics um, discovery that we had in the last six months in whatever direction, you know, it can be art, it can be technology, it can be applications. So we can get uh, the ball running and then we'll see what we think about the episodes. But let's start with the haptic spiciness. So ladies first, Ashley. Yeah, always. Ooh, what see, are the top three things that happen in haptics and why in the last six months? So some of mine are quite recent. Um, the first one being something that as a car person, this really spoke to me and I'm really excited to try it out, which is Jaguar's releasing new haptics in car experiences, but it's specifically with sub pack, which means it's designed for music. Um, so it's pairing the two things I love very much. So being able to have seats that rumble, typically in cars you're used to having rubbly seats to tell you notifications or give you alerts, but this is like, this is to have a badass surround sound experience with music. That's kind of the vision I'm seeing it. So that one I'm super excited about. Um, I don't know if you guys have saw that, but super Do you know it. you can already buy it? Because can you? Mercedes S Class has that. <laughs> Okay. Actually, well, I mean, if you I'll want to spend hundred k, yeah, but they have it in the S class. Sorry, that's really cool. Yeah, so I definitely want to check that out. That seems that seems really fun. It's in the other in a Jaguar would be pretty sweet because that's a pretty lush, you know, driving experience and be able to have it be more experiential is art. Love it. Um, next one for me was um, a Nade X Nade. Um, it's a headband that has embedded haptics. It's a little bit on the wacky side. But it's um, a headband that's designed for head pads. It looks like little cat ears. And uh, you can use it inside things like VR chat. Um, you can whittle your ears. 
And I love this kind of thing because I think what it really does, is it takes haptics outside of the haptics need to do this and they're meant for that. And, you know, it's a very strict kind of like area of play. And I think when people create these types of devices, it makes it really exciting for just experiential. It really is like, if you want to become a cat and feel like a cat, you could very well do that. So I think that's really fun. My last one's a bit, bit spicy because it's my own. Um, and it is, we built a lightsaber at Titan Haptics and, um, just as like a demonstrator. And I think for me, that was, it's one of the coolest um, haptic demos I've been able to play with. And it's like our own tech, which is super exciting. Um, and so, you know, it feels like a realistic lightsaber as you imagine it to be. It has a gentle hum as you move it. It feels like you're cutting through air. Um, so I'm, I'm throwing in my own demo on this just because I'm really excited about the potential of um, more experiential side and just like doing things that are a bit outlandish and they don't have to make, it doesn't have to make sense. It's a demo, um, but yeah, it's fine. You know how to, how to use a lifesaver and, and do the <laughs> uh, I'm working on my skills, but other people who I've handed it to, it's like, I'm like, who you're wearing a suit. How are you able to do this? Like, what is your background? So yeah, that's pretty wild. Sorry, that's when you hit something, it also does the heat. Hit haptics or is is just wiggling when you go against this one's just like wiggling okay. so it's like it just it's designed to like make it feel like you've turned it on so you can feel like the saber come out and then as you it would be it, so like cool then it, then you get like when you you know in, in VR or whatever and it, and you hit yeah. it like give it in because you have a yeah. lot of that camera right you have a lot yeah. of that camera. so you could actually yeah. make them in counter phases that they, they you, you feel that it goes directionality mm -hmm. ah mm -hmm. that would be cool. Yeah, That's and then that cool. a beat saber, it'd just be like yeah, it's exactly, beat, exactly. That's game over. Yeah, just just get it, get it. Yeah. So those are. I love my top three actually. I think uh, those are really exciting, and I learned something today. <laughs> That's really fun. Uh, if you don't mind, I have one that I would like to share. I mean, I you, have have, you have three, man, not one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, start with your one. I start with the first one, which is very recent, but it's the. Um, integrated haptic suit by Ubisoft for Assassin's Creed Mirage, which I think is going to be very exciting to see such a big, you know, name in the industry, actually, um, gaming industry, like doubling down on the experience as a standalone device. Uh, so I think that basically the way it works is you have integrated with high conductivity electrodes and haptic pads, and the vest allows the wearers to experience a diverse range of sensations across their torso and arms which can enhance the overall gaming immersion. So they mentioned that as if that's the added value, which is super cool because usually haptics is not really explained when it comes to the sensation of it and just bringing more fun. Sometimes people think performance or utility. In that case, it's really just about immersion, which is super important because especially when we think about the PS5 as a console platform, having doubled down on haptics there, it's interesting for me to, to think about that you know, they, we can think and see more of those use cases happening in the future by other gaming platform and maybe other games also doubling down on that. Um, so yeah, the second one in my list is the absence of haptics. So why I'm using this use case is because Apple presented the Vision Pro and because we're getting into hand tracking without controllers, the fact that they don't have um, any haptics presented in the platform was very surprising to me, especially when we know the Taptic engine in the iPhone and the Apple Watch is such an important part of the experience. And I dug a little bit, actually, um, 
for those that are listening, you should follow uh, Ashley on Twitter. She has an amazing monthly haptic uh, newsletter that I personally follow thoroughly. And in the last one, she shared three patents by Patently Apple, which is a platform where you can get into all of the patents by Apple. And there are three patents that Apple is investing into, which potentially could give us a hint of what could the haptics of the future of that platform look like outside of the headset. So you have the um, AirTags for tracking things. So they invented the future wearable tags that you can wear on yourself as clothing for tracking your health, fitness, and more. Fun fact, I work on a project similar to that at Immersion at the time with the idea of hexagonal pads that can connect to each other and create like actually patterns and maybe even clothing and fashion with not just haptic vibration, but potentially heat, cold, um, and helping with mental health or more like meditation phases and stuff like that. The second one they had was the literal taptic engine. So it's the shock resistant taptic engine uh, that you have in the eye devices. And the third one was the future Macs with the touch display with advanced haptics. So if we're thinking of the MacBook right now, it's very similar to an iPad when you put just a, you know, my iPad that I have right now as a cover that basically turns it into a, a MacBook. And you can connect a, a mouse, a keyboard, a trackpad, and basically, my grandmother, when she moved to, um, to iDevices, I told her, you don't need to keep a PC. You can just move to tablets. It will feel like a PC. You'll have your mouse. You'll have your system. But whenever she goes on my MacBook, she now has the reflex on touching the screen. And the fact that she cannot move stuff around freaks her out. And she's like, how come it's 2023 and we don't have a haptic, <laughs> haptic screen? And she, she makes me really realize how the expectation of the user is never what you think from the actual constructor and the designers. And it's true, like, why don't we have that? Maybe it doesn't make sense for Apple to do it because they really don't want to cannibalize the iPad versus MacBook market, but they do have the patent. So it makes me wonder, maybe in the future, either the iPad will evolve beyond or the Mac will evolve beyond that. And especially if we go to displays with the Apple Vision Pro, well, that sensation that people will start having um, of touching stuff with their fingers and tapping and clicking and the eye gaze will maybe evolve with some type of wearables that could be added to bring back haptics, but not from the headset itself. Um, thank you, Manuel. Actually, the Apple Vision Pro was also one of my favorite free haptic oh. things of the, of the, of the. What do you have to say? On yeah, two things. One, I'm, I actually discovered the world haptics that uh, one of my colleagues, when I was doing haptics PhD, it was David Mayer. He's actually the one who made all of the interaction engine for, for the Apple Vision Pro. It was really fun. It was at a conference. It was super, super, super smart guy. And most of the people who prototyped that was actually Aptition. Most of them. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It actually was made by Aptition, that interaction system. What I love about that thing is that um, it goes back to self-reference haptics, right? Because you have these uh, tapping things and that's, that, that, that's, that's your signal, right? And from the, from the reviews, it uh, uh, seems that it's really, really, really solid. And uh, that you, can, you actually, when it misses it, miss it once every, I don't know what, but it becomes basically second nature. So you can see that as a self-reference haptics. But what I love about this vision is that if your hand tracking is really, really, really good and you have this... Uh, um, you know, this uh, is LiDAR way to map the space in real time, which is really, really good because they prototype it with the, with the iPad and, and the iPhone. And you have this mixed reality system, which is really nice. I mean, of course you don't need haptics. You can project things on existing surfaces. 
and so the world, the real haptic yeah. touch. Yo, I mean, you project it on the table, you know, and why would you need the haptics if you can project in a really, really uh, compelling way a mm -hmm. user interface um, on, on the table and use that as, you know, your keyboard, if you need a keyboard or anything else, if it's precise enough, you don't need them because haptics will always suck compared to the stopping power yeah. of a table, right? So yeah. I definitely see it as an Apple way you don't need anything else than the Vision Pro, and uh, you get a seamless experience with the reality that is around you. So I would so, frankly be surprised if they ever yeah. will come out with a haptics device. That's a very good take, Eric. I didn't think about it this way, and I, and I like that. The one thing I would say as a caveat is that for projection, for 2D interfaces, for the main OS, makes sense. But once we start seeing more, I would say... Uh, like mixed reality beyond just the augmented reality and objects, 3D objects floating in the air and things like that that are not necessarily projected. Having some type of feedback could still be interesting. A little bit like what you said for the, <laughs> the, the lightsaber and having something floating in the air that actually repeal back. But I agree because that differentiation between the actual touching of a table and surfaces would be so much different that Apple is probably just trying to say the real world is cool enough. We don't need to reinvent haptics. The best haptics is real haptics. Yeah, <laughs> imagine, uh, yeah. imagine they have a, uh, you know, they have a, sorry, Brian, just finished toss. Uh, you have a <laughs> LiDAR, right? So they know that the table is there. They know that that is interface is there. They know where your finger is. They could actually make a touch interface, a fake touch interaction interface on your sofa, and you can swipe things mm -hmm. around on the sofa, and they could see when you're touching, and that it could be basically your trackpad in VR. You know? Sorry. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> no, no problem. I just wanted to say that uh, I, I sort of like where Menu comes from with this point, because for me, the thing about VR spatial computing is that it's the strength that you move away from those flat surfaces to interact with. And I think if you, yeah, get that into such an Apple device, doing stuff mid-air, things that you can actually not do on a real surface, then haptics might be nice. But yeah, one thing I learned from Apple is they don't do something that they can fully nail. So maybe it's a mm -hmm. little bit too early for haptic implementations yet for uh, for that specific Apple device, but uh, yeah, that's something point. must be coming in the future, right? I personally cannot wait to have either Meta or Apple releasing something like a ring because it doesn't have to be a, a glove. It doesn't have to be a full-on haptics uh, device, just something that gives you the sensation that you touched. For example, on the PSVR 2, you have head haptics, which are mostly used for, um, I think, removing nausea, uh, which is super use case, super good use case for people that are not used to mixed reality. Uh, but sometimes it feels good to just have something that tells you that you actually hit what you wanted to hit. And when it comes to creation tools uh, for designers, uh, painting in VR, sculpting in VR, gravity sketch, and all these different tools like Google Tilt Brush, um, sometimes you do very precise movement and having the little tick, tick, tick on my controllers, for example, on the Quest is a super useful addition to my workflow that if I didn't have it, Sometimes my controller removed the haptics to save battery. I cannot actually design as good because I'm missing that feedback. So I'm I'm ex I mean, I'm interested to see where that could go beyond. But when it comes to the interface itself, the the example and the way Eric explained it, I didn't think about it this way. And now that changed my my vision of it. Fun fact: the Quest Three is going to have haptics on their controllers called True Touch, but no internal tracking. So it's like three sensors in the triggers, thumb rest, and the grip. So We'll see. It's going to be a good uh, yeah. differentiation of uh, future devices. I think it's similar to the Quest Pro, right? Beside the fact that they put wideband yeah. on the triggers. 
if I mm -hmm. maybe yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I I didn't have any direct things, but it seems logical to me. Okay, cool. Brian, what's your top three things? Ooh, my top three. The first one I came up with was actually, it's not a commercial product, but I visited the lab of uh, Yasmin Varda. We had her on the podcast a while ago. And it was my very first time personally to experience surface haptics with electrostatic display. And that, that stuff is just like mm. magic. The one second you touch the surface, it's slippery like glass. The, the, the next moment it's grippy. That was just a very cool moment for me to get in touch with that uh, new technology for me. And I can't wait to see where uh, other stuff is going in the future interaction devices. Nice um, fun. Get in touch yeah. with <laughs> yeah, the, the black the black hole or face up piece. <laughs> that's, that's fun. Yeah. So the the second uh, device that I would like to bring up was actually one I experienced it uh, at World Haptics. It's uh, WeArt. I don't know if we ever covered them on the podcast before, but uh, let me see what the device is called. It's from a Italian yes, company. Touch sensor, touch driver is called, I think. Touch diver it is. There we go. And uh, what it practically is, it's a device you wear on your wrist or on your arm, uh, connected to three thimbles that go on your fingertips, and they have a force feedback that squeezes actually in the finger. So the moment you grab an object, you feel your fingers being squished, which is very different from Ooh. what we do at Sanslov. We apply it to the full finger and the hand. They have a different approach to that. And it, it is different. It has its strengths, its weaknesses, but I would say it, it works. Um, it, you can say it's a first release. There are some things that they could tweak in there, but it was a real fun experience. And the most um, exciting thing for me in this product was that they also have temperature feedback in those thimbles. So the yes. moment uh, you, you were sort of in a lab environment in VR and you could put your hand in a flame and after a small delay, you could actually feel your fingers getting hot. And the same mm -hmm. for touching metal objects, you could feel that uh, it was pretty cold. And uh, to me, that was a new experience and a really exciting one. So I would love to see where they're taking that in the future. And they were multi great guys. Multimodal haptics is the future. I want more people to, to combine force, vibration, temperature. That's, that's where really the magic happens. I agree. Yeah, it was very uh, special and uh, unique experience, I, I would say. So shout out to, uh, to those guys. And uh, yeah, the number one, it's its a little bit of a self-plug, but recently we uh, we launched the Nova 2 with a unique palm strap yeah. feature. Yeah, it, it has <laughs> feedback in the palm and all the Shameless, years, you are shameless I both of I, I have to do shameless. it, but you know, the thing is, the thing is, we have uh, with the hardware team worked for such a long time on uh, different ways of getting this technology in there. We had uh, tons of different type of prototypes and seeing that being funneled down with different team to one yeah, product feature, um, more that process and getting <laughs> to such a haptic experience, which people enjoyed was such a yeah rewarding process. I am proud of, that's true. A little bit of a self-plug, but uh, yeah, that would be my personal number one for that reason. I'm proud of you, Brian. Thank and you, also Brian. I hope the, the listeners are watching this on YouTube after because the, the facial expression of Eric, Ashley and Brian in that moment was... <laughs> I mean, the, the credibility here is under the rug, which is all right. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one of the three, that's not too bad, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. first one is me, second one is me, third is me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well then what's yours? What's yours? Mine. Yeah, um, yeah, so I will swap one out because uh, I had the Vision Pro, but we chatted about it before. So, incredibly for me, I usually don't care about actuation technology. There are two actuation technology for me that are um, one of the nicest things that came up in 
last six months, and both of them, I would not have expected them to come out. So the first one is from a company, the American company is called Afference, which uh, uh, uses a, basically rings on your fingers to induce the sensation of touching something in your nerves through electrical, electrical pulses, and you feel them on the fingertip. I was, didn't have yet the pleasure to test it, but from the reports, it looks like it's working. And if it goes to afaras.io, you see the device. What's cool about that is that there is nothing on your fingertip and you feel it on your fingertip. So basically what they are doing, uh, as far as I can tell, and I don't have access to anything proprietary there, just uh, how I would do that, they are applying uh, certain types of electrical fields and probably focusing them on the specific axons that comes from the fingertip. And uh, it happens the same in microneurography. When you're doing microneurography, you're putting you know, your electrodes in the, in, the, in, in the arm or in the wrist, and they are basically creating a discharge on the specific axon, the specific nerve fiber that they are targeting, and what they ask you where it is. And you can place it exactly the mechanoreceptor in a specific place on your hand. I did it wow. first hand. I did so. It's, it's actually mind blowing because you feel that it's happening on your finger, but there is. But you the know, ring is lower on your arm. Oh, so this is what microneurography um, does. So I think they're doing, they're doing the same principle. So they are creating a, an inversion in the, in the nerves at the specific position. So they're targeting the fiber that comes from the fingertip and you're feeling it on the fingertip while not having anything. And the nice thing is that it's not impeding your manipulation because you're just a ring. So it's the first one, I think it's extremely exciting. I remember like 12 years ago, I discussed with my co-founder, we want to do something like this. I said, oh, this is fucking impossible. Can, this is cannot be done. And this guy did it. So it's, 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 it's actually quite cool. So this is the first challenge I believe will be around uh, quality of the sensation and fidelity on this type of things. Is it good enough? I think would answer your questions, uh, which is, uh, Manu is, is, oh, just the tick feedback would be enough. Okay. Yeah. I think if they nail the bit, that's already, that's really, really good starting point for this. And uh, for some specific act uh, application would be fun. That's amazing. Imagine there's a third party device that you can attach to whatever else. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is something that makes a lot of sense. Uh, then it's the integration problem. So all the problems that come after the actuator, but the, the deactuation concept, I think it's, it's, uh, it's definitely something uh, fun. Can you remind us the name again of the company? Afference, A-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E dot I-O. Might try to bring it to the pod at a certain moment. We should. Sounds uh, yeah. sounds crazy, Eric. Yeah, We'd love fun. to uh, try ah, it out. It's fun. It's fun. And I don't you know, it, yeah. Yeah. To, to me, this really is sort of the vision of yeah future haptic devices because the problem currently with wearables um, yeah is that you have to wear something and it can be obtrusive. You need a big moving mass. So for me, mid air haptics is already one way of you know countering that. But this sounds like another great technology to uh, to do the same. So. Yeah, that's uh, it's fun. And the co-founders are really, really smart people. So I hopefully they they're able they're able to bring it bring it home. I think if you go on the website, they have like dev kits and uh, basically. Oh, I'm still here. Oh, oh, and oh, yeah, oh, that, Eric okay. disappeared. Got back. Got back. Um, second one is a still another activation <laughs> activation things, and uh, it's our friends of fluid reality, and um, 
this is a, another uh, technology that uh, I I think the market is waiting since <laughs> hundreds of years, um, and hopefully they will become uh, become mainstream. And I think Ed uh, Colgate was discussing about his vision about mesoscale haptics during the during the the speech, and I hope I think he was talking about that because both Joe and Craig, our two co-founders, were students from Ed Colgate. I can know them since PhD times. They were colleagues from uh, David Mayer from Apple. And uh, it's really, really cool because uh, it's, uh, it's, it, there is an engaged uh, um, article out in there, and there are articles at US, I think, OKI this year. And they have electrochemical pumps, and they create uh, um, depression, local depression on a silicon surface, and then inflate it and deflate it to create displacement. What's cool about that is that before, you needed 6 kilovolt to do that. That was not usable. Right now, you need much, much, much less. And the total actuator is two millimeter thick. And you have, oh. I think, 36, uh, 36 independently addressable units in two millimeter thick and uh, uh, like four square centimeters under the fingertip. And that's really, really, really cool um, because. It's like piezo, a piezo till long time was not usable because voltages were too high. Right now, piezo is getting everywhere because uh, you can drive it at 78 volt and it's kind of okay. Hopefully right now with this advancement, there can be some more industrialization um, processes where that voltages can go down and uh, basically we can- uh, I think piezo will continue to go down in the coming years. We'll, we might even drive it at like below 50 at some point, yeah. which will be incredible. Yeah, both in both cases, it's all around the reduction of voltages, um, and I, I think it's 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 really really exciting as a technology uh, for many 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 different applications. Not only VR, of course, uh, VR is the most obvious one. If you put it under a fingertip, it works. It's 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 let's say it's really 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 compelling. But I think there are many many other applications in many other markets that would benefit from a, an actuator that can do like a few millimeter displacement and hold it and keep it there for uh, a reasonable power consumption. So this is the second one that I'm excited about. And uh, incredibly, both of them are actuator uh, things. Third one is a product type or a product uh, examples. Um, a few years back, I think uh, D-Box collaborated with Razor for the uh, Razor chair. Haptics research chair, I think, a couple of years back, but uh, it's, uh, it's a stated concept. I'm really, really happy to see that I've been at GDC this year, two different companies that brought, brought out a, a haptics chair. One was a Cooler Master with the haptics chair that they did it, again, in collaboration with Ebox. That's exciting. Second is Sensit that independently came up with the uh, haptic chair um, concept. And I think it's, a, it's a definitely an interesting concept for products. As everybody has a chair, uh, everybody needs a chair, and um, I am super bullish on this. Um, uh, already discussed it sometimes about uh, we should bring haptics on products that people already buy, that they are accustomed to spend a certain amount of money on, instead of trying to build a new different classes of products that you need to educate the customer for. And I think uh, these types of haptics chair goes in that direction. Love These are that. my free. That's awesome. I want a hapstick chair that doesn't look like a like computer chair, like these like race back chairs. So if anyone's listening, sense it. Give me a chair that's like 
but just a nice chair, a beautiful little chair, like, you know, something, something pretty, mm -hmm. something I ask. But yeah, I'm hyped for that. Cause yeah, everyone has a chair. It, it, it's a perfect way to be immersive with whatever you're doing. You could be playing a game, you could be working, like there's so much cool stuff you could be doing with that. You're in a meeting and it's vibrating underneath cause it's like, hey, the oven's on or whatever it is. Love that, love that so much. I thought about a product idea, actually. Anyone listening, you can run with that and make money and just give me some royalties after. Uh, it would be like a, a wearable for a chair. So not for you wearing it, but for the chair wearing it. Why? Because yes, you have your chair, but when you move to somewhere else and you don't have what that chair has, you always feel like, ah, oh, now I'm downgrading. And especially people that own cars or seats vehicle with seats or even to go to an airplane, you could have, you know, your chair in your car have the same haptic feedback as your gaming chair with temperature, vibro again, and like allowing you to have feedback on the important events happening. So, yep, just uh, give me my royalties. I imagine you're <laughs> sitting in the bus now, Manu. Get <laughs> in the bus. Chair vest. <laughs> oh, final thing Bacon. I forgot to say earlier, the haptics on the mobile app of ChatGPT surprised me. Yeah. It's very subtle. I didn't think that I would need it. But now I cannot not use it. So when I go to Bard or Bing and I don't have the haptics, I feel like I'm not talking to something. But the little subtlety in the iOS app makes it so that it feels like it's language. A little bit like when you have those scenes doing like, whoop, whoop, whoop. like they don't really talk. They have their own language. But it feels alive because of the pitch going up and down. And does haptics do that? They have stronger haptics when the sentence is going fast. When it's browsing online and it's doing clicking, you have some ticks happening. And the, the speed and the, the cadency feels like language to me. And sometimes I found myself sending a very specific script, waiting for the answer. And as I'm waiting, I'm not looking at the phone, but I'm holding the phone and I'm able to know when it's done generating the answer based on the haptic. So I guess for accessibility purposes, people that are blind also may be able to, to use that with voice activation and combined with it. So just another idea of an implementation that maybe was not something that was planned to be good, but ended up being well executed or surprisingly well executed. I do agree. It's really, really great. I love it. And it's uh, it's what reminds to me, reminds me of the tapping of a mechanical keyboard feedback yes. when things are happening, actually. It's a kind if, if, if it's the same types of rhythm instead of being a key is a word, but it actually feels to me really, really similar typing on a mechanical keyboard. Okay. All right. So should we move on to our best episode section? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do, let's do that. Manu, you can start. You took the, took the initiative. Okay. So for me, well, my favorite episode is always the lives at CES and be ready. We'll do it again next year. We always do it. Um, why I love these episodes is because they are less about a particular discussion topic or someone or a company and more about all of the discoveries of the year. And you know, CES is a great place for that and to know kind of like to kickstart the year with a lot of cool announcements. And also because uh, Ashley does such a good job every time at like covering all the different events. Um, we have also Eric most of the time always on site. Uh, so like, it's fun to see them going through the, the craziness of flying out, going to the event, attending, meeting people, and then bringing all that energy on stage. And it makes that episode a little bit more, I think, different from the rest. So that's why it's my favorite one. Uh, then I really enjoyed Pedro Lopez for no particular reason, but I think other people in the team also had them as a top three. Um, I really recommend that episode. 
And finally, um, the one with Danny Grant, but that's maybe a very big bias for me. I just love Danny. <laughs> it's, I think it was our 40th episode too. So it was kind of like a specific marker. And that's my top three, but I would say that I really enjoyed also Hong Tan and Anna, uh, the one about the robot, because it was also different. We had multiple guests on stage. Uh, we were talking about something very different, which is like robot fighting. So it was an exciting episode for me uh, because of that. That's it. I'll pass it along. I love your. I love that your answer is like almost all of the episodes. Like my answer isn't just one. It's I love everything. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, freaking badass. Um, uh, Pedro was mine actually. So Pedro is my favorite one. Um, for me, like my top three tech products from the year could have all been something from his lab. Like they're doing the craziest stuff. So they do like chemical haptics they do like um mouth haptics like just it's like wild and wacky things that I think if you haven't seen what they do in the lab um they're from the University of Chicago you can check it out at plopez.org um and it's like I call them a mad scientist and I meant it you know like there's not many people in this kind of like day and age that can just think of a crazy idea and, and just do it um and maybe some people want to and don't but I feel like the people in that lab um, jazz and Jasmine, like they're just inspiring folk who have crazy ideas and actually implement it. And maybe it'll become something one day, maybe it never will. But the fact that it exists, I think, sets this precedence for other innovation that you can do like the world's craziest things and it's it's possible. And I think for me, that episode was the best because of that. It's like meeting Da Vinci. It's like picking the brain of someone who just thinks so differently, but is also so humble and and kind. Um, Ashley is not music. downplaying the effect. It is true. Like one of the craziest thing I found on their website at the time was the the lip reading input and output, which is something so crazy to think about. But again, they did it. Yeah, absolutely wild. So that's my that's my top. All right, then uh, I'll take it away. My top episode. Um, I think it's Tom Carter's episode. I just really liked for. The first one, uh, the guy, he's a great person, a nice conversation partner. But the story he told us about uh, him graduating, starting his company, the first yeah. trade shows, investments, telling all the nitty gritty details about the hardware not working because the polarity of one component was swapped around. Just the whole front to end. Uh, it's like a hardware startup fairy tale, right? It uh, was such a nice conversation. And uh, I think that was my very favorite episode of the season. And uh, yeah, my second place would uh, just like Ashley also be uh, Pedro. Like, what a guy, what an experiment. Uh, there are not many, many scientists that uh, I get hyped for the research, you know, when I see that something gets published. And uh, yeah, with Pedro, I definitely have that. So uh, those would be my faves for the season. Amazing. Nice, 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 nice. So uh, on my side, I do, my number one is the one with uh, Danny. Um, for two reasons, it's, uh, uh, it's gaming. <laughs> I'm biased, but it's gaming. <laughs> and it's, uh, uh, it's at scale. That's, 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 what, that's what I do appreciate on that, is that that stuff has been proposed in 20 million units uh, from the get-go from PlayStation. And uh, it's, it's a story of uh, uh, resilience and conviction uh, over something that you believe would be a better uh, user experience and create value on the market. And it's true. And as a difference from many other haptics, uh, 
prototypes is that are fantastic, but when you actually look to make them happen, it's it's tough. It's tough for a, a number of reasons that we don't need to discuss here. Probably more reason than any any some other markets. Um, but uh, in this case, it's it's uh, I was actually extremely uh, happy to hear the story and tell the story because it's around. Uh, uh, at extreme focus over value on the end user and do everything that is needed to make that happen. So that's, uh, that's I think it's, it's, it's a great, uh, from my perspective, it's a great one. Um, second one, I, I loved, uh, again, uh, Tom Carter for a similar reason, um, but a bit different now, they're much more in the interaction side that works really, really well on the, on the hand tracking side, which is great. You, you go where business is. It's the most important things for an entrepreneur. And uh, I think um, when the last one was uh, around Hong Kong, which is actually was actually great because it's much more uh, over a vision of a full career. That she's recently became full, I think, full time at Google, which is great. And uh, it's a whole career of 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 you know. Uh, of, of innovation regarding uh, putting the human first, human, the human perception in, in, in the first part and then building haptics, uh, haptic experience around it. So these are my first three. And yeah, it was, it was a great season from my perspective. Yeah, Hong Tan was a really inspiring one for me as I think, you know, she has such a wealth of knowledge and is not afraid to share her um, opinions. Like if you've ever been in a room with Hong Tan, she will ask the hard questions. And I appreciate that about her so much. And I think um, the fact that she still approaches haptics with such excitement and joy and like curiosity um, is just a really cool thing to see. Um, Cause it's like of anyone who could be like, oh, I'm an expert. It's like, it's Hong Tan, <laughs> literally Hong Tan. But yeah, just just the attitude is uh, is just really cool, and I appreciate that. Just uh, you know, there's so much more to learn, um, and I appreciate that you know she's at the the bleeding edge and continues to like aggressively push towards creating really cool experiences, uh, educating. Yeah, so shout out to Hong Tan. Nice, well, nice, perfect. nice, nice. Let's maybe spend a few minutes on uh, World Haptics that just finished. I mean, just me and Brian. Maybe Brian, what are your takeaways before wrapping Ooh, up? My takeaways. Well, the first thing for me, which was really funny, that it uh, it was in Delft this year in the Netherlands, uh, actually at my university. So the place where we were meeting, we we're showcasing all the tech. It's actually where I went to my lectures during my studies. So it was a little bit of a weird feeling I had with seeing all those haptics rock stars there on the floor. So. Uh, had a great experience. Um, most of the time I was spending at the Senseloft booth, but one very memorable experience that I would like to share was me trying the demo of another Dutch company. Uh, and the company is Sim2Care and they make a dental simulator. And for me, it was the very first time trying out one of those dental sims. And it, it, it was crazy. So for people who has nev have never seen such a device before, uh, you pretty much look through a glass, an AI, yeah, an AR display, I would say. And while sitting on one of those dentist chairs, you had one of those uh, drilling tools in your hand. You had the pedal, which you could use to activate uh, the drill. And then you saw a tooth or yeah, a full row of teeth in front of you through the display. And the device had force feedback, fiber tactile, pretty much I'm everything. Suffering. I'm suffering just thinking but No, no, that. no, but it was so crazy. So the moment you felt like touching the tooth also without drilling, 
it feels just like you're tapping on an object. And, you know, I've tried several haptic technologies before, uh, but, but this was crazy. I could not distinguish it from a real object underneath that thing. And then you look away from the display and you're just top tapping in thin air. It was such a crazy experience for me. So uh, I do not think that I'm personally going to use any dental simulators uh, professionally in my life. <laughs> Maybe who knows in the future, but uh, that was such a crazy, great experience for me. And uh, yeah, I think the the, the we art and what uh, uh, Eric already mentioned before the fluid reality haptics demo. I also tried. There were so many great showcases already on the demo floor. Didn't get the chance myself to really go to the academic side and the poster side of uh, the conference. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll have some reading up to do uh, for the coming weeks. How about you, Eric? Yeah, on my side, I think I'm I'm basically on on your on your same situation. I didn't have a, basically zero time to see the speech but i did went to the demo and chat with a bunch of people um i mean the demos of the industrial side i think were all of them really compelling uh, one of the things that i i see on the haptics conferences and i was chatting also with the organizer about that is that there is a lot of distance between what the research is doing and what the industry needs and it seems to me that the research doesn't even know what the industry needs which is a biggest problem for example, if you go to SeaGraph, this kind of place is Sky, there are a bunch of uh, companies that are publishing re research, and there's a bunch of universities that do research on things that matters to companies, so that uh, you know there is these exchanges of technologies and, and ideas. In the haptics community, I think we're quite far away. And uh, this is, I think, uh, is everything that it's, it's hope ripe for disruption, or at least it can change, uh, because uh, uh, it's, it's it, there are, you know, uh, let me talk about surface haptics. Surface haptics is a technology here since many years, and uh, he struggled to find a commercial application. It is good that there is research around that, but there are other types of technology or usages of haptics where there are commercial applications, but the amount of research that is on that is not nearly enough. You know, that's it, that it's, there is definitely something that the the, the large uh, let's say market application would benefit from from research, and you can do also this co uh, collaboration between research and academia. Uh, sorry, academia and industry, which are definitely not uh, not developed. And uh, I hope that for the future of the academic world, and maybe we can do something with the Aptis Club. I don't know. Uh, we could foster more of this, uh, um, you know, big area which makes sense also from an industry side to uh, focus on, or at least to. to try to spend some more time around. That's a so good this, point. Yeah. And I think that's our, one of our value is to connect and kind of bridge the gaps between academia and industry with the Aptics Club. And a lot of those connections have happened on our Discord. Um, just a reminder, you absolutely would love to join our Discord if you're listening to the podcast because you can actually continue the conversation. We have many channels. We talk about automotive design, gaming, hardware, healthcare, journal, mobile, research, robotics, software. All of those exist. People are talking daily on them and sharing patents, research energies, and sometimes the actual product being in the work. Uh, so like that's really one of the things we want to do more is to bridge the gaps between those two uh, sections of the haptics industry, which is healthy for the industry to evolve, but also create many opportunities for researchers to actually go into uh, creating the future. So yeah, I think that's a beautiful note maybe to close this episode. Um, and just a reminder, so yeah, this was the last episode of that season. We're off for the summer. 
hopefully you all enjoy it. Um, if you're working like me, it's probably a heavy season as well, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't take some time to go outside and touch some grass without haptics actually touching the grass itself. Um, and next year, we're going to have very interesting um, uh, people joining again. We don't have a confirmation with everyone, so we cannot give you actual names, but we might have people um, with a different different background from the previous season. We'll have CEOs again and VPs and directors, but also uh, people that are not necessarily working at such a high level in the company. I think two that are currently, uh, already con um, confirmed, we have Adil Akhtar from Psyonic, and also Denny Unger from Cloudhead, uh, CEO Advocate for Haptics. Um, so you can look up to have those amazing episodes with us next year. And yeah, as a final note, anything you would like to add, guys? No, you just- Wait, awesome. Eric doesn't have anything to What? <laughs> Is he okay? <laughs> I want to surprise I you all. I don't have anything to say. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm shocked. Absolutely shocked. I think that was a beautiful way to end, Manu. Um, yeah, I think there's so much to look forward to in the space. Um, whatever you're working on, whatever you do, Haptics is involved in some way or another. And um, we hope to just continue to inspire you and to share all those crazy things that are happening in the space so that you can continue to learn, grow, and involve haptics into whatever you're working in in the, the latest, coolest, best ways possible. So thank you to our listeners who continue to support us. Um, you know, when you like Spotify and you like our podcast, um, you follow us, that really does mean a lot because um, we can kind of continue forward and, and share and grow this podcast so that um, we can reach even more people who um, some love haptics and they don't even know what it is yet. So we're, there's still a lot for us to do. Um, but yeah, we just, or thank you so much. How about Brian? Any, any closing words? I'm all good. Happy haptics. Yay. <laughs> I'm happy to, to say that I love you all because I think we're coming into our third years of this podcast. Uh, Brian joined us along the way and we created this amazing team and now it's always such a great synergy when you're all on stage. So I miss that and look forward to see you all in September again. Mm -hmm.